You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Bowtech Archery prides themselves on offering a bow for everyone. Whether you have a short draw length, a long draw length, pull 70 pounds or 40 pounds, you're a bow hunter or a target archer, they offer a bow that can be customized to fit your body type. On top of that, their deadlock technology allows you to fine-tune your aeroflight. Visit BowTechArchery.com and check out the SR350 and the CP28. Bowtech Archery, refuse to follow. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome, or I should say lady, because there's probably, I think my demographic for this podcast is like 97% men, and so uh, 3% women, which if I had to guess, that is, is about one or two women actually listen to this podcast. I tell you what, if you are a lady, why don't you hit me up on the uh, Nine Finger Chronicles Instagram page, hit, send me a DM and just say, I listen to the Hunting Gear Podcast, and I'm a lady. So there's that. Anyway, lady and gentlemen, hopefully you guys are having a great day. We have a, a really good kind of a BS session. I, I felt like, uh, here's, here's the straight up truth. I recorded two and a half hours of podcasts yesterday. One of them was a Hunting Gear Podcast. I had some technical issues. The, uh, the podcast did not even record, and so here I am. <laughs> Here I am just kind of uh, 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 throwing together another one so I could have some content out for today, but it ended up being a really good conversation. Here's some of the products we talk about today. We talk about, uh, like, we, we do some filming equipment. Well, we talk a little bit about, uh, oh, geez, uh, my God, self, like self-filming cameras. I can't believe this. Um, Anyway, we talk about e-bikes. We we talk about e-bikes. We talk about products that uh, um, today's guest Josh Raley is able to use in the South where he hunts out of Georgia and in Wisconsin. So we talk about overlapping products. Uh, a lot of it has to do with um, the, like uh, e-bikes and, and things like that. And so it's a really, really, really good uh, conversation. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Tacticam. That's what we talk about. We talk about products like Tacticams, e-bikes, uh, crossover products from the north to the south, and it's just a really good BS session about hunting gear and equipment. So before we get into today's podcast, though, I do need to talk about, we do, we do talk about saddles. We talk about tethered. Um, so if you're looking for a really high-quality product with um, some really good educational information behind it, great customer service behind the brand, go check out tethered. Uh 
They, they have everything you need for saddle hunting. So if you're looking at getting into saddle hunting, go check out Tethered. We have um, uh, Hunt Stand. Hunt Stand is the app for Eastern whitetail hunters, right? Uh, and it's going to become the app for everybody. So here's what, I, here's what I'm going to say. If you don't have Hunt Stand, go check it out because you can download it for free. You can play around with it for a little bit. Then you can upgrade to their, um, their I guess you would call it their, their pay-to-play package or their elite package, which is like 30 bucks a year, right? That's like 100 less dollars than some of the other uh, products, like their competition out there. And they have more functionality than their than their customers. So with that said, right, we have um, just so much information you can go you can go learn how to use their product, uh, huntstand.com, go check it out. And then also Tacticam. Tacticam is a, a partner of the Hunting Gear Podcast. So if you're looking for, uh, if you're looking for uh, to, to film your hunts, right, to document some of your shots, uh, go check out the uh, HuntStand website. These guys have the new 6.0 version available. And so there's more image stabilization. There's more, um, or they have an LCD screen now on there. Uh, so you can really set up your shot, take a look at it, play it back, that kind of stuff. And so uh, it, like in this, in this episode, we actually talk about the original like the GoPros and the Tacticams and what they were then compared to what they are now. And it's night and day difference. So uh, go check out Tacticam and their, their line of products. So that's today's up. Ep- that's what today's episode is about. Those are the commercials. We have uh, a really good guest in Josh Rayleigh today. Hopefully you guys enjoy, please uh, go to iTunes, leave a five-star review on the hunting gear podcast, the nine finger Chronicles podcast, uh, the sportsman's empire network, uh, I really, really would appreciate that. Also, make sure you're following the Nine Finger Chronicles on Instagram. Make sure you follow Josh on the Wisconsin Sportsman and the How to Hunt Deer podcast. Other than that, let's enjoy this episode today, guys. Three, two, one. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Hunting Gear podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and today we are joined by the host of the Wisconsin Sportsman and the host of the How to Hunt Deer podcast podcast mr josh Rayleigh. josh what's up man hey what's going on buddy how you doing i don't know i I'm, i feel i feel I'll, I'll be straight up honest i i i texted you this morning i'm like hey dude i need you got 30 minutes for me all i need is 30 minutes of your time uh i recorded some podcasts yesterday and i had some technical uh issues so two and a half hours of recordings just didn't just disappeared didn't show up on my sd card and so I'm very appreciative that you have 30 minutes for me to hop on and BS about gear today. Absolutely, man. I'll be your backup anytime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but here's the deal. You're you're getting ready at some point today to hop into a car and head to one of your farms? Yes, sir. I'm, I'm actually packing right now. When you text me, I was at the hardware store buying a bolt for my camera arm because for some reason I can't seem to find uh, the bolt that holds the fluid head to the actual arm. So I'm I'm in the process of putting my gear in the car right now. Yeah. Uh, so you're, what are you planning on, on self-filming then doing yeah, some self-filming? Yeah. yeah so I, st- I started self-filming, uh, about two years ago and you know, I've been doing it a lot with the turkey hunting and had a lot of success. Uh, I have yet to get a deer kill on film. Um, just because man, the deer walks out and I'm like, screw the camera. Yeah. 
I mean, I'm I'm not gonna pass a deer for the sake of getting it on film. I'm just not there yet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, it's fun. I enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, I self film I for tons of years. Like I want to say maybe maybe ten years, and did a lot of self filming. And there came a time when. I just realized, and this this is this is my point of view. I'm not trying to scare you off or anything, but when you have a 170 inch 10 pointer, you let walk through a perfectly good shooting lane at 13 yards, just so you can try to get it to the next camera or the next shooting lane, and then uh, eventually, at this point, he's hard quartering away. Excuse me, hard quartering away. The shot happened i i was i was focusing on my camera and not focusing on the shot bad hit he uh, eventually survived and was shot on a neighboring farm the following year but uh I, since that time i think it was like somewhere around 2014 or, or 15 i just said uh-uh, i'm done i'm all i'm just kill mode now and the best wow. part about that is the the amount of gear that i don't have to bring into the stand with me anymore yeah, I, I will say, man, when you start messing with this, so like I was counting it up earlier, I'll be taking four cameras into the tree with me this year. Damn. And yeah, and you know, you're trying to get multiple angles and you're when, when you're by yourself, you've got to get everything, right? You've got right. to get the B-roll, you've got to get shots of yourself, you've got to get shots of the animal. And so the more cameras you can bring, the easier your job can be when you're in the woods. Yeah. The only problem with that is it's just more gear to carry, but um, – Two of the cameras are Tacticam, so they kind of just roll in with me oh, without, yeah. Yeah. you know, without any real thought or concern. But, but yeah, man, I, I'm at that point where, so last year, for instance, October 16th, 135-inch uh, nine-point comes charging in uh, to this area where I was running away from some pheasant hunters. And I, I knew it was quick. I knew I was going to have to make a quick shot. And I just forgot all about the camera. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not even gonna gonna worry about it. But what was cool, the camera was still facing the other direction. There was a bigger buck that the camera could see that I could not. Oh my! Yeah. Now that buck never would have. He never would have come my way either way. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So I, I'm not at the point yet where I'm gonna I'm gonna miss a shot because of the camera. Right. But you will take the time to haul it in and set it up and and uh, hope for the best. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. And if I get something on camera that I can share with people, great. If not, hey, man, you know, it sure was fun to film squirrels for a while. Yeah, there you go. There you go. And all the B-roll that you want and all the interviews. I remember I remember when I was uh, um, doing a lot of filming for a company called White Knuckle Productions, and we, we put out deer DVD, you know, deer hunting DVDs and, and a web show back in the day. And we I would sit there. And it would just be hours and hours of me talking to the camera compared to the very just minutes of you know time that the deer were actually on the uh, on the screen. And so so it's just hours of interviews. And so you get to you get to the point where you're really good at okay the wind here's the wind here's the access here's what we're doing and then it's over and then deer comes through you film it okay got to talk about it okay that deer did exactly what i thought it was going to do blah 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 you know <laughs> so uh i don't yeah. know uh but i tell you what um the the more that i the more that i get into you know the sportsman's empire and and running it and uh you know video is kind of video is king for the most part when it comes to this type of content 
So there's yep. always this little part of me that's like, dude, you just just do it again. Just get into it again. And so we'll see what happens, man. I'm 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 never gonna say never. Yeah, and man, the the gear on that on that front has come so far. Like right now, I'm using a little fourth era can uh, fourth fourth arrow uh, camera arm. Mm-hmm. And dude, that thing compared to some of the newer like micro light camera arm stuff, it's it's like a tank. Yeah. And so I, I need to upgrade that this year. Yeah. Uh, before my vacation for sure. Is that carbon fiber? The 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 pocket arm I think is carbon fiber. The one that I have is the old aluminum. Okay. I got gotcha. you. Arm with like a big metal base. I mean it's it's super heavy. I think I think that with my camera and everything is like twelve pounds or something. I got gotcha. you. All right. Um, well, oh, I want this is what I wanted to ask you. Tacticams, right? These action cams uh, like yeah. a, a GoPro and things like that. Um, dude, I'll be honest. They sent me one. It's sitting in this room, and I, I just don't attach it because I don't use a – I've never really used a stabilizer on my yep. on my bow. And so I've really never done it. And, and since I'm out of this self-filming mode, I'd hate to have it on – my camera and then just never use it or never hit the, the button to record. You know what I mean? So um, uh, talk to me. Cause I think they came out with a new version recently, like a 6.0 or something like that. Yep. And honestly, I, I just remembered this. They're actually a partner of the night of the hunting gear podcast. So, I mean, why not talk about, it? I mean, uh, what like have, I remember when, Tacticam first came out and they were just like everything else, just kind of, I mean, if you were to compare their first model to their, the new model night and day difference, and I never really got motivated to use it. What's your experience with them? Yeah, man. Uh, they, so right now I'm using the 5.0 and the 5.0 wide and I'm not a big stabilizer fan either on my bow, but those cameras are so short and so light that you really don't even notice it when it's there. Like, I, I have no idea that it's even there. Gotcha. Um, I like you though, you know, when I first started looking into Tacticam again, when, when the 5.0s came out, kind of had the old, their old stuff in mind and thought, you know, yeah, that's really cool. You got video of the deer coming in, but as soon as that bow went off, you know, the screen went blank basically because it was yeah. the image stabilization just wasn't there. Yeah. With these newer models, it it's, it's getting better and better every year. And the 6.0, they've taken it up another notch. So they just get a little bit better with that image stabilization year after year. Yeah. And the 5.0 and 5.0 wide, man, they've they've both got 4K footage, which is fantastic coming out of a little, you know, a little camera like that. And you can it's got like 8x zoom. Um, yeah. So I, I've loved them so far. I've had really good results. Had a lot on the turkey woods. Yeah. Yeah. I got a gun mount for mine too. So um, I. It's just a matter of using it for me. I just got to I just got to hook it up and use it and 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 check it out because I think it would be fun to show my kids the video uh, from it, you know, from shooting the deer. But here's the deal, you know, you, you get it, you get the shot on camera and then you drop your bow and then it just films the ground while you go and watch it die, right? So you you would have to like pick your bow up and kind of guess where it's at to to I don't know, get the rest of the story on camera, but I guess that's why you have three other cameras in the tree with you. Yeah, man. I, and I learned that last year the hard way. So I, 
people feel all kinds of different ways about reaping turkeys, but I decided to try it and it worked out. But man, Tacticam footage from a reaped turkey is like 45 minutes of grass and dirt. Yeah. And then 30 seconds of there's the turkey, shoot it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so you just gotta be, you just gotta be mindful, you know, after the shot, especially to keep your gun up or keep your bow up and just make sure you get it if you want to capture it on there. Right. Right. Okay. So the other question I, I have for you is, um, correct me if I'm wrong. Do you, do you have an e-bike? Uh, so I was trying an e-bike out for a local company. Okay. Uh, I do not personally own an e-bike yet, but I have used one extensively over the last couple of weeks. Okay. What are your thoughts on e-bikes? Dude. Yeah. That's I, I do. do, do I, I know. I know. I just tell Game me. Challenge. Yeah. God. I hate to say the words. Man. Like it, it, it was incredible. So I, I, I'm, I live down the road now from a piece of public that's about 30,000 acres. Okay. And this piece of public, uh, they keep all the roads except for one locked year round. Mm -hmm. So there are roads back behind these gates that are three and a half, four miles long. Yeah. That you simply cannot have the time to walk. I mean, you get on the WMA at the earliest time that you're allowed to get there and you start walking. Well, it's, it's sun up by the time you're even getting close to where you want to be. Yeah. Um, but with this e-bike, man, I was able to cover some serious ground and be really efficient with scouting and putting out trail cameras. Yeah. All right. So here's what I always like. I'm, I base it off, off treadmill time, right? So I can walk at a comfortable pace. I think it takes me 20 minutes to walk one mile right now. If you add terrain up and down on that, then it's, it's more, but you're taking 20, 40 one hour, uh, it's, it, it'd probably be more to walk three miles. Okay. Oh yeah. You know, yep. you know what I mean? So what are the, what, what are the rules and regulations on that, that, uh, piece of public for e-bikes? So that piece of public is really, really friendly to e-bikes. They do not even count e-bikes as a motorized vehicle. Right. So you are, you are free to roam yeah. now just across the state line. They don't want you there. Uh, pretty much the entire state of Wisconsin doesn't want you there unless it's a designated bike path. And I think even then they don't want e-bikes on the bike paths. So it, it really just depends on your specific state. But, uh, you know, right now I'm right down the road from a piece that is really friendly to it. Yeah. Uh, at least for now, we'll see. People may get out there and do something stupid and ruin it for the rest of us. But. Right. Right. So I myself have been doing a lot of e-bike uh, research. Okay. And so according to like there, there is federal law, there is state law, there is individual property law, like uh, BLM or state uh, or national forest or state, uh, let's say like uh, state parks or things like that. And so there's no, this is where it sucks. There's no one right answer for to look for because uh for example the state of nebraska says that because i was just on a hunt in nebraska and i didn't i don't have an e-bike so i didn't use one state of nebraska says an e-bike is a bicycle okay but the 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 national forest says that like puts restrictions on it and it has a set of classes like class one two and three and so the the national forest says that 
um, a bicycle is or an e-bike has to be under a certain amount of wattage. It can't have a throttle. Um, it has to be pedal assist only, and it, it has to be limited um, not only with the amount of wattage that it produces, but the speed that it goes. So it can't have the ability to go over, I think it's like 20 miles an hour, right? So here, here's a guy guessing, you know, like if, if, if I didn't do, if I didn't dig multiple layers into certain things, right? It would say, if I looked at the first spot, I said, hey, Nebraska, it's legal there, all right? But I get there and a different jurisdiction on some federal ground comes up and goes, hey, you have a throttle on that. You can't have a throttle. Here's a, you know, here's a ticket they could potentially write you for a motorized vehicle. So it's very important to, 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 to look into all that with all of that said though, I'm going to, I'm going to change the conversation over to my public or to my private pieces that I have access to deer hunt on dude. If I had an e-bike, I feel like my truck let me, let me put it to you this way. When it comes to walking through a property and you want to talk about access and being invasive, right? I feel like walking through a property is the most invasive form of access. Then you, you drive a truck and the, the deer may be used to it, and, but it's still loud. It's still you know headlights. It's still a vehicle and, and they, they'll probably avoid it. Now with an e-bike, it's smaller it's probably it's probably just as quick to get back in there as opposed to uh, a, a, like a truck, and then you can just lay it down and there's no vis- there's no visual of a truck, right? So um, you can quickly get in, and so I would say I would say that the least invasive form would be an e-bike in in some way, shape, or form. And dude, I want one so bad just for that reason, just to get in there quick to get into a spot, drop, you know, I have no truck there. I just leave the bike laying down. Uh, so there it's low profile and get in there. And I honestly, I've like, I, I've never used one, but I honestly, honestly believe that I could get in there and really like not affect the deer herd coming, you know, coming to a food source in the evenings or going back to bed in the morning. So I don't oh, know. For sure. For sure. I, I, I rode past this piece of public that I was on is, is, pretty it gets pretty hammered we're close mm-hmm. to a big city mm-hmm. and i would i rode past several deer that paid me zero attention they just kind of look uh, at you and then they put yeah, their head back down and, yep that's exactly right I, I drove past a bedded doe and fawn you know 10 yards off the road they didn't care yeah um and I, dude I, I talked to a couple of guys in this whole process of exploring e-bikes who were like man i not only ride my e-bike in to the woods i ride it all the way to my tree and lay it down I'm not going to go that far, but I've heard people say they do it. Yeah. And I, I, I feel like when it comes to, you know, we talk, I just mentioned that uh, being invasive and like, what's the most invasive man. If, if it's a consistent noise, like for example, I, I tell this story all the time. I was in a tree stand and I was, I watched, it was, a uh, it was an afternoon hunt and I just was picking apart this marsh with my binoculars and I just noticed these antlers sticking up out of this marsh. And I'm like, holy shit, that's a really good buck. Here comes a combine on the opposite side of the marsh and starts combining this cornfield. 
And wouldn't you know it, that deer didn't even move. And it was, I'm guessing somewhere between 50 to 70 yards away was the combine and this buck. He just sat there and chilled and let this combine go by. And so I feel that if you can just have this consistent, like it's not a shocking noise. It just, it gradually gets louder, gradually gets louder, gradually gets louder. And then it's loud. And then it just gradually goes away. It goes away and goes away. And then they just, they're, they're not freaked out by that so if you can go all the way to your tree stand that'd be nice man i really do think that that would be you know if you had a a a way to hide it right put a blanket over it or like a a ghillie suit or something or put some sticks over top of it and make it not like i don't threatening in any way dude i I really i honestly do think that that would would like but then the whole question is is that fair chase Right. So some people think that's not fair. That's not fair chase, but dude, people have been driving right to their tree stands for years. Oh yeah, for sure. We, we, I I hunted in a, in a club for a long time and there was a guy who was infamous for parking his four wheeler between the legs of the shooting houses underneath. (laughs) Right. All the way drive right up in underneath it and climb up. And when he was done, he drove out. So man, we'd always, his name was Charlie Buck. We'd always say, Hey, should we go down to this field today? Nah, Charlie Buck was down there. <laughs> That's funny. All right. So, yeah. Uh, and then, you know, the other, here's, I mean, this, you've already mentioned the other reason why. So when I go on my next hunt, there's a couple other states this year that I kind of want to hit. And both of them on this certain proper, uh, on these certain properties are e-bike friendly. And you can just get so much further back quicker. And I mean, you take, you take a, the, uh, the one spot that I'm looking at from the closest road, right. Is to get back there. Unless you have access on private property, the closest way to get back there is, um, the closest way to get back there is, six uh, it's a six mile round trip or seven actually it's three and a half to get to the glassing point that i want to get to and then three and a half back and so man it just like walking that in the morning and then having to walk that back i've done a pack out at three and a half miles of a mule deer between two guys right and i think combined with all of the gear that we had and the meat we each had a hundred pounds and this was like a a 350 to 400 pound mule deer buck i'm a huge bodied deer and it sucked. I mean, it's it sucked. And that wasn't even an elk in the mountains, right? That was yeah. just prairie ground, you know, rolling hills, and nothing too nothing too crazy steep. But still, at the end of that three and a half mile walk with a hundred pounds, I wanted to die. And so oh, yeah. you put you even if you take half the trip and you go back, you're still all you're doing is riding a bike, right? And so I just feel like it would be such a game changer. And I have bad knees and a bad back, so I can use the I'm getting old excuse now. <laughs> yeah, man. And, you know, the the one that I was using actually had a trailer as well. And I think oh, the trailer yeah. had a 350-pound limit. So you kill a deer, you throw your deer on there and haul it out. Yeah, man. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that oh, just dude. be amazing? And And the other thing I'm thinking about is on some of the private ground that I hunt, I can't I, – I can walk down there. Uh, when I want to hunt, let's say uh, a field edge or something like that. But if I do shoot a deer, 
I can't get a truck back there because their crops are still in the field, especially in October um, and even into November at some point. With something like that, you could really you could really sneak in between the rows or right on the field edge, load them up and, and get them out of there and not have to drag them 30, you know, like 400 yards, 500 yards, whatever it is, or get someone else to help you. You know, you could have a deer cart. That might make it easier, but but still, I don't know. I, I, I really do think uh, an e-bike. Now, here's the, here's the question for you. What is the true difference? And I, I'm, I'm shooting myself in the foot here. What is the true difference between an ATV or a side-by-side or even a dirt bike and a, uh, and, uh, an e-bike? Yeah. So I think they're, you know, from different people's perspectives. So I think these states that are permitting e-bikes, but not permitting some of these motorized vehicles, you can really tear stuff up with, with a four-wheeler, with a side-by-side, or with a dirt bike. Yeah. An e-bike just does not have the torque or the weight yeah. to really pick things up, which I think is huge. Yeah. Uh, and then you've got the noise factor. You know, that's just, just you as a hunter. I mean, wanting to be as stealthy as possible. And it's you don't electric. have the smell. Yeah. It's a, yep, fully electric. You don't have the smell of the exhaust and, and all of that crap. Yeah. Um, all you got to worry about is recharging it when you get home, and then you're you're good to go. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Def- definitely something that's high on my list. And I can remember even doing podcast episodes on the Nine Finger Chronicles. Uh, or like, man, uh, back in the, like 2017 or something, I, I, I vividly remember having conversations about how I, I hated e-bikes. And like, you know, who, who, can, who can possibly afford an e-bike? And, and who could, you know, talking all this trash on them? And here I am now. It's funny how... You know, you, you become a hypocrite of yourself, you, you know, you oh, yeah. identify your, I'm, I mean, now I'm a hypocrite because I can definitely see the benefit from them uh, as I, you know, I'm five, five, six years older than when I was making these original comments. And now I'm just like, dude, these might have a a, a place for me and, and for my wife and, and, and things like that. So uh, especially for the older generation who, you know, if you're in your sixties or even in your seventies and you're like, Jesus, that's a long, you know, 500 yards could be a long walk. And yep. I don't know. So, uh, which, which one are you getting? Yeah, I don't. <laughs> right. Right. I've trust me. I've been looking, I've been looking and I actually have a friend that work. I, I this is all I'm going to say is I have a friend that works for one. Okay. And he okay. can he can get me a fifty percent discount on what? on it, yeah on an e bike. So with that said, and now I don't want people like reaching out and going, hey Dan, hook me up, hook me up, hook me up. But he's he can get me that because he has some pull in the company, and uh, so uh, I, dude. But even then, the one that he recommends for what I'm trying to do even with the 50% discount is going to be like 2,500 to $3,000. Right. And so, because, you know, there's certain e-bikes out there that are at 500, you know, 500 Watts and, and pedal assist and things like that. It'd be legal for pub that, you know, I can make it legal for public ground, but, but it's just, it's not going to have the, the, the power, I guess, for, for some of this, um, what actually, what e-bike did you use and what was the, the, what were the settings on it? Yeah, man. So this, this is a new company called Lice Motors, L E I S E. Okay. Uh, 
it was a 1500 watt with dual batteries. Okay. And, dude, that thing was a beast. Yeah. Yeah. So that 1500 watt automatically takes that out of what I'm trying to do. Yep. Because the, yeah. the wattage is too big for the public ground that I, that I want to access. Yeah. So with, with this, there are different settings. Okay. And I, I think you're trying to work with, you know, the, the, what states can, what states are allowing and saying, okay, when I put it on this, it, it doesn't go above a thousand. Yeah. Or when I put it on this, it doesn't go above 750. Yeah. I don't know if it would fly in certain states, but you know, I know that they're, they're trying their best to keep it, you know, legal for as many places as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Um, so we've talked about technology, basically technology in this episode. We talked about some filming, some Tacticam. We've talked about e-bikes. Um, it sounds to me like both of us are on board with the e-bike game and we both want one really bad. Um, oh yeah. Now I want to talk a little bit about maybe some, something else, uh, maybe some products that, cause here's, this is funny. Josh is the host of the Wisconsin Sportsman podcast when he because he used to live in Wisconsin, but now you have since moved to Georgia. You're still doing the podcast, the Wisconsin uh, podcast, and yeah, so and, and you're going to be hunting both states, right? Yeah, right. Yep, I'm I'm loading up to drive to Wisconsin this afternoon. Right. So with that said, it's completely different uh, scenarios, right? As far as let's just say weather, temperature. Uh, even hunting strategy. You've hunted both these places before, correct? Yep. Right. Yep. Let's talk a little bit about um, products. Maybe maybe some products that have overlapping, uh, like uh, that that overlap. Right. So I can use them in. I can use pro- this product in Georgia. I can also use this product in Wisconsin. Yeah, man. Number one is is my saddle. Yeah. I know you're dabbling in the saddle game this year. Yep. And man, that is the number one thing, you know, down here in the piney woods in Georgia, um, that saddle can get me way back in there. Even when it's hot, I can get into any tree that I want to. And, um, you know, just, it just does really well, especially for longer walks or for hotter temperatures. Right. When I'm up in Wisconsin, you know, a lot, I'm, I'm hunting a lot of marsh ground, a lot of really brushy, scrubby stuff, not necessarily a lot of great trees to climb where I'm trying to get in on, on some of these bucks. And so, um, you know, that's huge for me there because I can get into a tree that's, you know, as big around as a softball if I have to. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's, uh, that's great. Um, man, I tell you what, this, this saddle thing, full disclosure, right. Uh, tethered is a partner of the nine finger chronicles and the hunting gear podcast, right. And I'm, I get paid to promote their products. Here is my only concern being just completely honest with the listeners i have bad knees i have bad back and i have yet to spend i've shot out of them i i can see the comfort you know they're they're fairly comfortable i even have the old man uh i call it the old man i i think it's like additional back support that you can throw under your armpits um, oh yeah sit there um but here's my concern is that let's say I, i i get in there i set up it's a morning hunt and 10 o'clock rolls around. I'm starting to get on, on maybe a little uncomfortable. And now the deer start to come through and uh, on like this mid morning movement and I'm uncomfortable already. And I just like, I can't leave because the deer are here. And so now I'm focusing on my back hurting or my knees hurting. And so, um, I've had guys 
expressed this issue. And then I've had other guys, you know, like Parker uh, McDonald of the Southern Ground podcast. He loves it. Other guys love it. And they say, oh, dude, there's no issues. If you set it up right, there should be no issues. So I have the biggest saddle that Tethered makes, the biggest platform that they make. And so my goal is I can just kind of adjust adjust everything to get to where I, I you know, to, to where everything's comfortable. And so I don't know. Uh, we will see on how, uh, how it, how it plays out, but that's my only issue so far, like shooting out of it. There's only, there's only one type of angle that I'm, I might be really concerned about. And that's the draw arm backside, uh, backside where they're coming behind you on a, you know, on a, on your draw side. And so that would be a concern, but I've practiced that shot and, you know, I've, I've learned how to do it. I don't want it. I'm not going to set up for that. I'm going to set up for something else, but you know what I mean? Um, but like the, just the hours in there, your experience, have you sat in a, have you sat in a saddle for four or five hours before? Dude, I've sat in a saddle dark to dark and, 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 and and it's great. Okay, I so, love it. So and, it's it's not you don't get uncomfortable. Now, okay, let me let me let me give some caveats. Parker and those other guys are are correct that if you've got the saddle set up right for you, um, you should not have many issues. That is that is one hundred percent true. Right. It takes some figuring out though to find out what is right for you. Right. And just like in a tree stand, you're going to have some discomfort and you're going to have to shift and adjust. Yeah. I've sat in tons of different kinds of tree stands over the years and i've not found one that i didn't have to adjust you know sitting all day or sitting for four hours straight like i mean there's some movement there right so get your saddle dialed in and and i'll say this so up until last year i was hunting out of a tethered mantis saddle which is horribly uncomfortable compared to the new phantom and and some of their newer saddles right so i think your setup you're going to be you're going to be good to go, but, but I haven't had any issues. And again, it's just playing with it in the backyard. And, yeah. you know, I'll tell you too, on that, on that offside shot that you're kind of concerned about, you know, I practiced that a little bit last year, um, but going into the season and I shot my buck at that exact angle. And I didn't even think about making that shot until yeah. after it was over. I just, yeah. just did it. and I did what I had to do and it was done. And I was like, Oh, that was an offside shot. Great. Yeah. Yeah. I will say this though. Okay. So, um, my, my tree stand is choice has been, um, you can call them Novex. Uh, I call them lone wolves, right? It's the same for the most part, the same design, um, same company or whatever, even long hours in that tree stand, just like not moving period. doesn't matter what you're in. I mean, unless it's a recliner, right. Um, or, you know, so one of these days I'm going to justify, I'm going to say, I want a millennium, you know, those big those big millenniums that just oh, yeah. like, have a basically recliner in them that has like back support. You can stick your feet out and, and just like really chill and relax in there. I'm going to be old enough someday to use those. Once my mobile game starts to slow down, I don't know if it ever will, but what I'm getting at is it would be really nice to have those. The point is, is that after even, even in the, the alpha, uh, so that they have the assault and then the alpha. I don't know what Novex calls them now, but uh, but the smaller one is my go-to uh, stand. And so sitting in that, even like for six hours at a time or four hours at a time, can be 
can be pretty harsh on the lower back and things like that. But it's all about yep. the functionality of it that I really use. And, and so um, I guess you, it's give and take, right? So yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And with a saddle, I feel like with a saddle, I've got a lot more options as far as where to sort of relieve pressure and how to relieve pressure in different places. Yeah. And so, I mean, I would even say, hey, Dan, if you're going out for a sit in one of your, uh, you, you know, you know you're going to be in your lone wolf or you're in your Novik stand while you're out there. Yeah. Uh, take the saddle along as your harness. There you go. That's if a you're great idea. Man, yeah. Turn around every now and then, relieve some pressure off your back, and you know, put some into your hips a little bit more, and you know, whatever you need to do to keep yourself in the stand and keep yourself comfortable. Right. It's an extra pound at the end of the day, right? Yep. Yep. That's a fact. Hey, that's a good idea, and I think I'm going to do that. Uh, and so, if anything, just to get conditioned for a saddle, right? Uh, and that so that the, when, huge. when the time comes and it's like, okay, I need to be ultra mobile. I'm leaving the stand in the truck. It's just the saddle tonight. And I don't know, see what happens. See yep, what happens. Sure. Um, anything else, any crossover, uh, products that are going to be great in both those, those different scenarios. Yeah. So I, I picked up some new man. I've always been a cheapo when it comes to camo that I buy. Yeah. Uh, I've never got good camo gear and this year i got some good early season gear which is going to be uh good for like this weekend in uh wisconsin but also here in georgia for pretty much the entire season Uh, just some lightweight more technical gear um yeah Yeah, what and what gear is that would you that's uh that's huntworth Huntworth. and it's uh, they make some lightweight pants and then this like midweight hoodie and man, I have a hard time. I mean, unless, until the rut in Wisconsin, when it's, you know, in the mid twenties in the mornings, yeah. I think I'm going to be good to go pretty much the whole year down here. Yeah, dude. I tell you what, I, I've talked to the guys from Missouri woods and water podcast, and they are really impressed with Huntworth as well. So dude, it, it's a company that I've, I've seen on the hangers at stores, but I've never really messed around with because I have like, I don't know. I, I have a ton of gear already. Right. And I, it's not like I need any more. So I have enough, but I always like to dabble and, and check everything out. And, uh, that's definitely, uh, that's definitely a, a brand that I'm going to be looking into in the future. So, yeah, uh, man, I would say check them out. They, they've, and they'll be honest, you know, you call them on the phone they'll be like, Hey, look, we're not, you know, super uh, technical as some of the other garments out there, like a uh, like a Sitka or something like that. Um, but we also don't make you trade in your children to get a piece of our gear. Exactly. So. Well, and that's the thing, right? Like, I can see where a really high expensive, you know, like I'm a believer that for the most part, price reflects quality, right? Yep. So a very high I don't know, a very highly technical piece of uh, garment, merino wool, uh, something that has a uh, wind stopper in it, whatever. Out West, I can definitely see that. But for the average guy going into a tree stand for four hours at a time, I don't necessarily know if you need all that stuff. Uh, does it work? Uh, trust me, I, I have the the high-end stuff. I keep coming back to the the dickies and my like a merino wool base layer really that's it and so i keep coming back to that and i don't know why and i think a lot of it has to do with durability 
right? Um, for me anyway, I walk through some nasty thorns. I walk through that beggar's life shit. I mean, you know that stuff that sticks to you, right? Oh, dude, it's the worst. It's the worst. And so I have like work. It, it's They're basically work pants. Like uh, guys who pour concrete all day, but they're they're brown colored or or construction workers or whatever have these, and so I that's what I use because it doesn't seem to that stuff doesn't seem to penetrate or stick to those garments. Anything fleece is just trashed by the end oh. of that. Oh yeah. So um, yeah, I can definitely see the the functionality the functionality for it, but I keep I like for my whitetail hunts when I'm when I'm just walking through razor blades all day to get to some of you know to get to some of these spots or or i don't know i'm i'm hanging on a tree and and uh you know you put your you put your legs up around it and things like that the the durability just isn't there for some of that stuff and so i like you know i like a a different option and so i can definitely see where a company similar to huntworth would really i don't know would really be awesome and it sounds like they're gaining traction man and from a from a company standpoint i didn't i didn't know about them a handful of years ago but now i definitely do yeah man they they started off i guess their history is in gloves yeah and that was their bread and butter and then they expanded and man i've talked to a lot of people and everyone that i've talked to has been real impressed with their gear yeah same here same here and uh as it starts you know any company what typically happens is you know they'll they'll gain traction and then their garments just keep getting better from there. Right. And it depends on the ownership and how they want to make their money. Right. They, they have two options. They can say, we want to make as much money as possible, which is a good business model, but then we're going to raise the prices on our, on our garments or the, the technology going into a garment increases, but the price necessarily doesn't. Right. And so yeah. hopefully that's what happens. And that's what really allows people to get good, I don't know, good hunting gear. So yeah. I don't know. It, it's all, it all depends on the, the, uh, the, the ownership and things like that. So it is what it is. But uh, other than that, I think I told you I was going to try to keep this at 30 minutes. We've gone 40. So. Dude, I, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to be flexible here and uh, hop on this podcast before your trip. Thanks for uh, the insight and good luck on your upcoming hunt, man. Absolutely, buddy. Good luck to you as well. 